Amen. Hallelujah. Good, good. Hallelujah. Praise God, everybody. In the name of Jesus. It's good to be possessed with the winning team. The kingdom of heaven is within you. You have the winning team in your meme. Yep. <laughs> Heavenly Father, give us our daily memes. Gotta lighten it up at first. So much severity. But unless we're drunk on joy, it's actually quite difficult to handle this level. <laughs> the joy will increase for those God inside minded. But even the joy of the bewitched will be taken from them. <laughs> Upon this wicked and adulterous generation. That's what I was studying today. Luke 11. Jesus condemning his generation. It's intense stuff, man. I'm always surprised by what the Holy Ghost is doing. No matter how deep you walk with him, it's always interesting. He always keeps you out of the comfort of the soul. He always keeps you out of self-control. For Holy Ghost control, fruit of the Spirit. Soul control is the fruit of Satan. Spirit control is the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be controlled by the Spirit. And that's the only way to grow in Christ. To know him on the inside in a greater way than ever before. He was talking to me today about Luke 11. We'll get into that later. <laughs> just drinking this stuff. Just shocked at the level of judgment that is coming upon unbelief. When God starts speaking on judgment, he really means business. These principalities only go down through severe judgments. And sadly, they'll affect a lot of believers because they have part of their lives in the world and they haven't built entirely in the kingdom, entirely in the spirit. What does the Bible say? Unless you build on the solid rock, the storms will destroy your building. That's what Jesus said. Doesn't get any more sound doctrine than building in the spirit versus building in the soul. Building in the soul is a guaranteed destruction of everything you've put thought and effort and money into your whole life. And that's why they killed him ultimately. Because he destroyed that everything they were doing had no eternal value. Church, I tell you the truth, church has no eternal value. None. It entertains you while you're down here. It gives you goosebumps while you're down here. But it really has no eternal value. It's almost like just a free babysitter on Sunday morning. For a lot of families, they just love the free babysitting. Go to church. I tell you what, we need to go into the kingdom inside our own hearts. I want our people to be saved and safe. I want our people to prosper from the judgments that come from the throne. Every stage of pressing into a greater glory, there has been opposition from the lukewarm. When I woke up today, 
It just started off with severity right away. He's th the first thing I heard when I woke up from the Holy Ghost is, the wicked are willing to give half their house, but most my people can't even give 10%. And he quoted to me, Herod, so persuaded by Jezebel in the Bible that he says, ask of me anything up to half my kingdom and I will give it to you. Herod, and this was just shocking to me too. I'm sitting here just listening to the Lord as shocked as everyone else. This severity hits me as seriously as everyone else. And you know, you just, you drink the joy as you're embracing the severity because the soul needs it. The soul does not need comfort. The soul needs severity of judgment. When we're deceived, we think we need comfort. The comforts for the spirit as the soul is destroyed. No one saves their life unless they destroy it. It is written, lose it, have it annihilated. That's what Jesus said. It's not really an optional part of Christianity, but we got this mentorship thing. Like what level of severity is optional for me to obey? I don't have the same standard on me as the prophets do. The Bible says you need to. The only reason why God sends prophets is that the same standard on the prophets would be the standard in your lives. To walk with him in the holiness of his glory requires a severity and judgment upon our hearts which is the circumcision. It don't get much more severe than stabbing something, cutting it off and killing it and destroying it. I mean, it's literally, it dies and it fades away and it disintegrates into the dust. It's called circumcision. Part of the person is cut away and disintegrates, which means the Bible in the New Testament prescribes a circumcision for all men and women's hearts, which means huge amounts of this thing in your heart beating blood through your body will be annihilated and disintegrated. I tell you the truth, amongst those who have experienced the circumcision, these judgments are pure promotion. But upon everyone else, it's demotion because we have built upon the heart and not the spirit. What's shifting sand? I'll tell you. Building on shifting sand is building with the ability of your own soul, which is your heart, your brain, and your bones. I was watching this series on Netflix called Alone, and they're just sent out into really extreme cli uh, climates, and they're just given 10 survival tool tools, and they have to weather the elements and just live off the land, and it's, it's really intense, but it, there's so much revelation in there because it brings them to the core of their person and the Lord says I require this of every disciple and at the core of each one even if they hadn't seen their parents in 10 years even if they don't didn't even live in the same country when they were faced with starvation every single one of them went to the core of their family and thinking about their mom, thinking about their dad, thinking about whatever, but it was always family. I tell you the truth, they went, they could not, because they were all unbelievers, go any deeper than the blood in their heart, which was family. They weren't talking about it at first, but as they began to starve to death, they were faced with the contents inside their souls. And it was not God, it was not the kingdom, 
It was family. And the Lord says, you have to go deeper than all these people on the show alone to be a, a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. You have to go beyond your heart in that same intensity. And God's done that with me, so I know it's true. I've experienced this my whole life. And you have to go into the content of your spirit and discover the kingdom in your center. Unless you discover Christ in your spirit, you're no different than the unbelievers on the Alone Show. Because your core is animal. Your core is species. Your core is human, earthly, unspiritual, and it's totally demonic. And so when you're cut down to the core of your being, that is the time to discover Christ in your spirit. And that's what the true preaching of the gospel's for, to get you past your animal center, which is a false center of your life. The heart is not the center of your life. In fact, it's not even close. It's worldly, it's earthly, it's totally animal. Spirit is the center, but it only comes alive through faith in the Word of God. <laughs> faith in the Word makes the Spirit your eternal center, and that is the realization of the glory. Realizing the glory is finding eternity beyond the temporal, natural life on earth, which is family. You can't be saved unless you go beyond family. Jesus said, in order to be my disciple, you will have to hate your father and mother. It is written, hate, which means utterly despise the animal nature. Not embrace it like false Christians, despise it and reject it entirely to embrace the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. Oh, we're jumping into the severity tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> It's fun in the sun. <laughs> I've been getting drunk on holiness. <laughs> Jeremiah 23, 9, I'm like a drunken man because of the Lord's holy word. Like one who's had too much wine to drink. There's an intoxication on the holiness of the word of God energizing your spirit. All you got to do is give up your heart as a false center. The heart is the idolatry of man and woman. That's all you face blocking you from knowing God and his glory is your own heart. And you got to get through it. You got to cut through it. None of these people on this show had their hearts circumcised. What was the evidence? Family was the core of their heart. Even if it wasn't, when they're faced with death, family is what came out of their heart. When you're faced with death and you overcome death, what comes out of your heart is your God. And if it's human blood, it's Satan every time. Those people aren't going to heaven. They're not, they're going to hell and it's the truth anyhow. They're going to hell because their God is in this world, in this blood, a different bloodline than Jesus. You cannot be saved unless you drink my blood. Come into a different family. Come on now. You know he says it in the word. You have to come into a different family. Then you'll have the ability to transform hearts. I preach to awaken hearts. What is a dead heart? one who clings to the animal nature. It's true. And it has the appearance of good, doesn't it? 
These people love their families and most clueless Christians would applaud that as goodness when it's as satanic as the curse of the fall gets. If you don't deal with family idolatry, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never discover the realm of the Holy Spirit that God has prepared for you. It's the mansion of the Father. <laughs> Who are these that have no rewards in heaven? The ones that never discover their spirit race. Spirit race. When you're born, you're of that race. Born of the spirit and the water which means the bloodline of your spirit race is the living water. Are you faithful to the water? Do you know the water as the essence of your race? That's why we need revelation. Our race is still in our heart. We're in the wrong kingdom, which means we're on the wrong side of judgment. Luke 11 says, all the judgments of the murder of the prophets would be upon this wicked and adulterous generation. Which means that the blood of his cross did nothing but destroy souls for disobedient unbelievers. It didn't help them, it hurt them. It accelerated their destruction in their father, the devil. That's what the prophetic does. We want to say the prophetic is an encouraging word. If you obey it and believe it, the word saves, which is elevates the spirit through the sacrifice of the heart. So the prophetic does save. It is the way of the Lord for ascension and resurrection to the obedience of the word of God. But to the disobedient and unbelieving in hearing the prophetic word, it accelerates their destruction. And this is what the Spirit of God was showing me today in Luke 11. Well, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes this away the sins of the world. But how did the disobedient and unbelieving have their sins taken away? They were taken away. But since they did not follow the cross, and the blood of his cross through faith did not take him away. They were, it was taken away through the destruction of their own souls into eternal death. And they were all taken away. The sins were all taken away, but only the believers went into heaven. The unbelievers went into hell through the prophetic word. Oh, hallelujah. That's why there's no condemnation for those in the cross of Christ, but oh boy, outside the cross of Christ is severe condemnation. Jesus even said for some of these, it'd be better off if they'd never been born than having heard real prophecy and then not obeying it with their whole heart. Because it accelerates a judgment. It goes into the realm of like the fallen angels who hear and never obey, who lived in the fullness of the hundredfold glory of God around the throne of the Father and disobeyed the prophetic commandment. Which means faith without works is dead. There will be an obedience that your body will follow the circumcision of your heart. Good works prepared for you. Those who know their God will do great works. How many of y'all know Joel's bar is a work? This is my office. This is work. It's good work. You got to get into spiritual angelic works for your spirit will begin to do the good works. Faith without works is dead. But works without faith is religion. 
And so we say, oh, we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We say, we're not getting into works anymore. I don't want to practice strange fire. But I tell you the truth, your spirit, when it loves Jesus, he says, you'll come, follow, and obey. Obedience to the following of the Holy Spirit is tons of works. Look at the apostles in the book of Acts. You couldn't get the apostle Paul to slow down. It was nonstop action, city to city, letter to letter, action Dan. Just continuous works. When a person gets enraptured in the spirit, you can't slow them down. They get sent to the nations by the river of life. And does it look like they're head in hand doing it to the unbeliever? But the head in hand is the Holy Ghost possessing his own temple which is first an intimate relationship 14 plus three years in arabia the bible says for the apostle paul to get his head and his hand in the spirit of grace and the spirit of grace began to work through his slain head and his slain hand so there's a time of sanctification to get all the religious death out of you and once you're sanctified look out works galore good works they'll be fully energized by the spirit of might and the angels will accompany the works and the workers at the end of the age will be the new creature angelic spirit that god is forming on the inside devouring the heart and devouring the brain into the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven forcefully and violently advances through the works of regenerated born-again spirits now people look at this and they say you have a body just like me that's what they said to Jesus but who was doing the works through the body of Jesus he said it was his father flowing through him like rivers that did all the mighty works which is our example of being controlled and possessed by the Holy Spirit and everything. There's a place of autopilot where you don't have to use your mind anymore for decisions. You're using your heart to follow the Holy Ghost. It becomes effortless obedience at levels of maturity when you sacrifice the stubbornness of the horse. Black horse, red horse, pale horse, yellow horse, which is the human flesh that resists the white horse, which is the human spirit. Rider of the white horse is the yieldedness of the soul to the spirit and every member of the bride of Christ who has yielded soul to spirit rides a white horse in the armies of the living God. Yet two white horses and a chariot of fire, a chariot of glory, a yieldedness to the river of life in the works of this chariot and this horse that can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could expect, imagine, or pray for by the dunamis working where? In you. You have dunamis energy in you that wants to come out and do good works. Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than me. Jesus didn't even take a day off. He says he healed on the Sabbath. He was working on Sundays. He's working on Saturdays. He's working on Mondays. He's working all the time. My father never sleeps and my father never stops working. Amen. How many of y'all know the Father is always working through you? 
Getting your brain into the Father is getting satisfied. That's how you come out of the curse of the sweat of your brow. Into the Father, which is the wine, and the wine becomes the worker. You look in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweating blood. It doesn't get greater work than the sweat of brow, but the sweat of his brow was physical human blood. Which means he was taking the whole curse of man, tilling the soil, into his forehead. It's great tribulation, great pressure. He took the whole curse of the land off of the land, off of his followers, into his brain. And blood came out his brain, right out of his face, right out of his forehead. A pressure to perform has been slain in the brain. Now that pressure is a pressure of love. It's a geyser deep within. It is faith within. The spirit and the works of God come forth as faith. That's why faith without works is dead, because the spirit's always going to be doing stuff. If the works of the spirit could be written down, not all the books in the universe could, could contain them, it is written, because the spirit is always working because the father indwells the born-again spirit. So all sanctification is to get your soul, which is your heart and your face, aligned with your spirit and then you get coordinated then you get synchronized and now the soul is following the spirit which means you're a son of God who are the sons of God those who are led by the spirit of God so if the soul is following the spirit where Jesus's throne is now great works of the Spirit shall appear through the soul. And so you had a people in the first century that got into false grace, hyper grace. So we don't need works. All we need is faith. We, re we reject James, but we embrace Paul. And picking and choosing teachings instead of taking all of them because you need all of them because prophets see in part you have to take all of them to get the whole picture you can't reject james in this generation just because you grew up in hyper grace charismatic fluff and it's everywhere out there you gotta get out of that hyper grace stuff hyper grace says we're no longer in the law but the law is the life and the liberty and the law of love of christ jesus which means there's no more law anymore, which means eat, drink, and be merry. I can do whatever I want because grace is going to abound. There is immaturity everywhere because of soulish grace. Soulish grace is demonic. They live in stolen waters that are sweet. They applaud themselves. They congratulate themselves. They still live in a human nature that applies grace to their humanity, which is the abuse of grace God forbids. God forbids the abuse of grace in the Bible. If you apply grace to your humanity instead of your divinity, you're still serving the devil. And that's why they have no obedience, no loyalty, no faithfulness to the kingdom. It's all human junk. It's garbage Christianity. It's everywhere. Garbage Christianity. You have to reject the soulish grace nonsense and use grace for what it is, an energizing of your spirit 
for works. Truth and yeah. For good works. Which is whatever the Holy Ghost needs to disciple you in to get you out of your human heart. For your spirit to be the worker at the end of the age. We need the workers. Jesus Christ says the fields and the harvest fields are white, but the workers are few. Few workers. That's what hyper grace does. It destroys the workers who, you know, first of all, you can just feel it in this room right now. Satan in here dealing with the stuff. It's here. It's in this room. Deal with your hearts in this place. Circumcise your hearts. I'm not trying to put the law on you. I'm not putting a yoke on you. I'm saving you from your hearts. I'm saving you. The word of God is salvation. If you can peel away the human interpretation of doctrine and be energized in your spirit, it will cut off your heart from your spirit. Your spirit, not only is it immortal, it can easily, effortlessly do anything God the Father asks it to do. It, it will never even sweat. The spirit cannot sweat. The new creature cannot sweat. It was typed and shadowed in the Levitical priesthood that if the priests sweat, they were disqualified from the priesthood, which means you had to demonstrate no effort from the beginning, which is the Spirit's effort. The energy and the power of the Spirit, even Solomon understood this 3,000 years ago. Unless the Spirit builds, the laborers labor in vain. Building here in the brain, false Christianity. Building here in the Spirit, real Christianity. You are building Jerusalem. You understand that? Jerusalem is made out of living stones. Your spirit, in yielding to the Holy Ghost and His Word, and hearing and believing the Word, builds Jerusalem in your heart. And from Jerusalem is released all the works of heaven and mostly judgment right now. There will be judgment. God gave me Jeremiah 46, which is the judgment upon the Gentile nations. Every single one is mentioned in this. Egypt, Babylonia, everyone, every world system and those seed lines of this universe is mentioned in Jeremiah 46. And that Jeremiah mantle that we're maturing in is bringing a more severe judgment than ever before. And here is how you will be prepared for judgment with a heart that is off the Spirit. The Spirit rejoices in the judgments of the Word. The Spirit rejoices in the winepress of the wrath of the Almighty. The Spirit is a child of the Father of the Almighty, which embraces the scourging and the severity because the spirit can handle it. If the soul, if you're a soulish Christian, you are guaranteed going to get offended by God and the mature prophetic and you're going to go away and become antichrist. As people that live in their heart and not their spirit, they get offended by the severe things of God that are for the spirit that can easily handle it because your spirit is already tougher than death. But your heart is weak. And so when you apply it to the heart, this is a hard teaching. Who can hear it? The apostles said, because they were not yet born again for the spirit had not yet been poured on them. So they didn't have the toughness of the immortality of the 
spirit inside their inner man, in their consciousness. It was still based on an animal that would die and fail under hearing the severe things of Jesus Christ. But you are 2,000 years deep into Pentecostal Holy Spirit glory. And if you need a little catching up, just receive the Spirit. He will build up your spirit, but He will tear down your souls. And this is where we've missed it. In the tearing down of the soul. The demon wants to tear down the soul into hell. God wants to tear down the soul into heaven. The Word of God tears down the soul into heaven. You cannot find your life unless you lose it, Jesus said. No one overcomes the devil unless they love not their soul unto death. So the soul goes into the baptism of Jesus' death, doesn't go into the death of the fallen angels. So the demons will even trick young believers to follow demons and in, demons into death. If you don't hear correctly and have understanding, that's why you got to stick around until you understand the ways of God and become a disciple of the spirit of prophecy that can handle the deeper things of God. Then you can stand in the day of the Lord. Then you can stand in judgment. Then Babylon the Great in this generation is the funnest time to be alive. But if you stay immature and can't handle severity because your heart is not circumcised, this is a very miserable time to be alive. It's a very fearful time to be alive. But not for those with circumcised hearts because you are experiencing the maturity of the Spirit through your slain hearts. The maturity of the new creature through your renewed minds. Because the mind is now inside the indestructible part of you. I will shake everything that can be shaken. That means all DNA. Everything visible will be shaken. Celestial bodies will be shaken. All religion will be shaken. All Christianity, all churches will be shaken. All relationships will be shaken. Everything, the Bible says, everything will be shaken. The issue is when everything's shaken, you're in the bacon. You're the one quaking. You are in the spirit in the Lord's day, so these judgments are only promotions continuously. That's why it is so profitable during this time to pay whatever price of inconvenience and discomfort and offense of pride and soulish garbage and all this nonsense of our human identity, our identity crisis, and that's just me. No, that's just the soul that needs to die and get completely slain with the sword of the Spirit. Don't limit yourself by the natural realm. The Apostle Paul says there's no Greek, there's no Gentile, there's no Hebrew, and there's no male or female, which means have no identification in the flesh. All identification and identity must be in the new creature, in the spirit. And the word of God is what gels the spirit for your brain to believe this stuff. That there's more to you than meets the eye. Transformers, more than meets the eye. You have Christ in your spirit. It is written and Christ in your spirit will become progressively more real to your minds as you hear and believe and embrace the part of you that needs condemnation. Yeah. 
the dead part of you, the DNA of the influence of the fallen angels, let it be condemned. This is a people that love the sword of the Spirit, that love judgment. Maturity loves severity. It does because it strips all the stuff that belongs to the evil one right out of the soul so the Spirit can stand up in uprightness. See, the Holy Ghost in us will always raise the standard if you trust and rely on Him and not yourself, which is becoming a better friend with the Lord inside His temple of your human bodies every day. But if you don't know Him on the inside, this stuff is like, it. this stuff condemns me. I'm not good enough. Inadequacy. I struggle with poverty mentality. I struggle with religiosity. Everyone does. It's the animal nature of everyone. But Jesus can manifest through everyone. Anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved, it is written. So anyone who's in an animal condition and state of mind, which means stuck in the realm of the natural, when they start to be regenerated by faith in Christ in their spirit, comes out of the entire curse of the law and the fall. And there's a new law, it's the law of the new creature, which is called staying in the river. You gotta stay in the spirit. You break that law, you go back into the realm of the natural seven times worse every time. That's why when you see them, they never come back into the river a lot of times. They're gone forever. Uh, one in a thousand have ever come back and even said, man, that was horrible out there. I went back into the natural realm, not understanding the glory realm, not understanding discipleship in the river. And I thought, you know, Egypt was Zion and I could be a Christian out here with my brain and my heart and just add Christianity unto my soul. And people do that. You get destroyed in your infancy. That's what rearing a child is. Spare not the rods, spoil not the child. Which means there needs to be an annihilation and a destruction to the foolishness of the child. David said the same thing. Forgive the folly of my youth that we were idiots when we were young in Christ, is what the Bible says. Total fools. Congratulations to you young men and women in Christ, for you have overcome the evil one. What was the evil one? The folly of our soulishness of living in an uncircumcised heart, which means our consciousness in Christianity not going any further and deeper than our own blood. That's the definition of foolishness. And you see it with the unbeliever, like watching that show alone. That's what foolishness is, is I don't go any deeper than my own blood. And we were all fools when we were young in Christ, the Bible says. That's what folly and madness is, is living in the animal, bewitched, having begun in the spirit, trying to finish in the flesh, Galatians 3.1. Bewitchment. It's called witchcraft. Do you understand? The Bible says living in the soul is witchcraft, which is rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, sorcery, the, the sin of stubbornness, prophet Samuel says. So we're going to get out of the soulish blood. Your human blood is the practice of witchcraft. Do you understand? Witchcraft is the practice of the natural realm by using your human blood when the blood of Jesus is available in the invisible part of the spirit. Practicing righteousness is living by the blood of Jesus in spirit, in truth, in the river, in the kingdom. Amen? And you still have this weak 
part of you, this weak side of you. <laughs> Paul called it the infirmity of the flesh. You still have a body, but you don't live out of the body. You don't identify with the body. You identify with the spirit, the new creature. And that's all God asks. He just asks you to live out of the spirit part of you and not live out of the soul part of you, which means live in the kingdom. And from that place, I can teach you and train you in my divine nature. But if you're in your own heart, you cannot be teachable. You cannot learn the spirit while your brain is in your own blood. All those words will be ever hearing never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving, lest you come to a knowledge of the truth, lest you come into the spirit. Which means there has to be an understanding from the get-go that this is going beyond my heart into my spirit in all Christian teaching. All 100% Christian teaching has to be for the spirit part of you. This is where we've destroyed ourselves, Christian teaching, for the human heart. Oh, that's the teaching of witchcraft. Do you understand? Ancient Samaria, this is where the origins of man's sin are in the fall of Adam and Eve, which is in ancient Mesopotamia and the Sumerian culture. They built ziggurats, which were buildings made by human hands. They called them churches. That's what a ziggurat is. It was a practicing of the soul's religion on the outside. Adam and Eve and the fallen human race instantly began practicing on the outside what they lost on the inside. That's what serving the fallen angels is, and most people call it Christianity. It's not. It's the worship of demons. True story. We need to go back inside the temple. We need to go back inside the spirit, realize the glory, and begin practicing the river. The, the standard has been perfection of the Garden of Eden since Jesus died on the cross. And people can practice perfection while going into buildings. So you need a little bit of wisdom here. It's not about just not going to buildings. It's about becoming the building and rising in the building as a spirit being. Because you'll dwell in houses you did not build, it is written. You're going to inherit and live in mansions that you didn't build. You're going to drink from vineyards you didn't plant. It is written. The promised land's real. You inherit the earth. All things to be added unto you. Jesus Christ said, I'll give you a hundred homes in this life if you forsake your house to serve my house. It's a promise to the disciples in the Bible, but only disciples get that promise. We are here to establish real discipleship of the same apostolic standard that Christ had toward his 12. It's called basic biblical Christianity that is offensive to this generation. It's inconvenient to Babylonian American Laodicean Christianity. You know what the Spirit of God said to me? The evidence that you are dealing with the seventh church of Revelation, the Laodicean church, is that the Herods are more zealous to give half their house to the devil than the Christians zealous to give 10% to the apostolic works that advance the kingdom. Oh, you can feel that right there. The proof that the people are Laodicean, lukewarm, is that the devil's kids are more zealous for the devil's kingdom than the king's kids are for the king's kingdom. See, the Laodicean spirit, this anti-Christ lukewarm thing that comes upon a person, it's not serving God with your whole spirit. 
It's not a zeal for the Father's house. It's a mixture for my house. It's that Jude demon that says they'll be lovers of self, which means they'll be building their own houses and not the house of God. What was David's zeal? What is the messianic anointing in the Bible? A zeal to build God's house. And it's not even about the offering. It's about the kingdom and that dimension of the spirit consuming the soul and the heart and the mind so that all your works are good works for God's house. Moses, faithful in all God's house. This is not just for the prophets. It's for everyone who's truly saved. Judgments come out of this house upon a lukewarm house. I will spit you out of my mouth, which means en masse losing of salvation in the seventh church. In the Bible, you think you're on fire, you're not, you're lukewarm, salt and fresh water, which means the devil's water. What's the devil's water? Vodka, God's water, Godka. And you can be joyful in the judgments. I get drunk on the judgments. That's what Jeremiah was drunk on. Jeremiah 23.9. He's drunk on judgment. For a long time, the Lord said, this ministry is very much like Jeremiah's about bringing judgment upon the devil's kingdoms, which are the seven mountains, which is the soulishness of man. There's seven mountains in mankind, in humanity which is the soul's ability apart from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost mountain is one. Here, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. This mountain is one. It's one Holy Spirit. It's one Mount Zion. And all believers that serve Zion serve the kingdom and are faithful in God's house. We need to get people out of the seven mountains into Mount Zion, which is God inside minded. Then you have an understanding of how to use this servant body, your body, to build Mount Zion. For Mount Zion to rise as chief of all the mountains in the last days. How does Zion rise? By an awakening and a preaching and a revelating and a teaching of the God-inside-minded mountain, the kingdom of heaven within you, and bring in your whole soul, which is your whole house, into Mount Zion. This is the house that prospers through judgments. This is the house that the Spirit is fervently, passionately, zealously, jealously trying to get all Christians, everyone who believes and worships the name of Jesus inside this mountain. This is the mountain that's the high tower and refuge from the judgments. This is dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. This is when no arrow, no plague, no pestilence, no poverty, no recession, nothing, nothing of the enemy's politics can touch you by any means. Satan cannot touch you when you dwell inside the mountain of the Holy Ghost. This is perfect protection. But unless you're serving this mountain with your whole house, just forget it because you have investments in those seven mountains of enemy witchcraft and rebellion. We don't want to see you suffering loss. These mountains will be drowned. These mountains, like the ziggurats of Samaria, were drowned in the days of Noah, which is man's building shall cease, and the Spirit of God's building shall be all that remains in all the earth. This is the time of promotion. 
unless, of course, we don't understand the kingdom. So teaching needs to bring our minds into the kingdom building. Kingdom building is for the apostolic, that means the apostles teach you how to build in the spirit in eternal building. Buildings of the inner man that withstand storms. Which means the apostolic, which is the building of the kingdom, the government of the kingdom of heaven, is a teaching and a training of how to build in spirit and how to destroy in soul. There has to be a tearing down of the old, a demolition of the old, a bulldozing of the old. Jesus bulldozed their Jewish society. He tore it down. He said, I will tear down this temple and rebuild this temple in three days. We like the building of the temple of Jesus. We like hearing the positive stuff about Jesus, but we don't like hearing the tearing down that's 50% of the message. Man's works must be torn down. Your works must be torn down for the spirit of God's works to be built up and overflowing. I tell you the truth, you work harder in the spirit than you ever did in the natural because you'd be super energized by God himself who has a different standard of working than you do. Totally different standard than you. God the Father's standard is perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect. I can't. I know you can't. That's why you need the baptism. That's why you need this word tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the crystal sea because there you'll begin to see the ability of your own spirit. When we're young in the Lord, which is fools, we don't understand our spirit's ability. We limit ourselves to our five senses, what we can see, touch, smell, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. We have a very low expectation. As we awaken to Christ, the living God, in our spirit, which means the same abilities that make God, God indwell in every new creature. You have the same power in your spirit of God and all of his works in heaven with his mighty angels. He created the heavens and the earth with a whisper. Your spirit can create a new heavens and a new earth with a whisper. In fact, the Bible says that's what you're going to do. What's the good works? Recreating all creation, all creation out of your spirit, man. A new heavens, new stars, a new heavens, new skies, a new heavens, new clouds. Who are these that fly along like clouds? Ones who get out of soul and the human limitations into spirit, which is no limitations. No limitations in the glory. There's no limitations in the spirit of God. And that's the song we sing all the time. And we're really going to experience it. The greater holiness is for a greater working out of salvation. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What part of you is fearful? The part of you that's being annihilated by the new creature that can't die. Which means the embrace of the sword is how you grow your faith. A mature person that has learned how to eat the word embraces the death of the sword of the spirit upon the temporal part of them. 
but a faithless false believer rejects it because it harms their temporal life because they're faithless and their temporal life is all they have. You have more than a temporary life. You have an eternal life at birth. Growing up is seeing the eternal life up in the soul part of you. The pure in heart see the eternal part of them. Only believe and you'll see the eternal part of you, the glory part of you. You're a creature of glory and God is fathering your glory. Ephesians 1.16, he is the father of glory. So what is he fathering? The glory part of you. You have a glory in you, and it's not a fading glory. The false father, the fallen angels, tried to get you to grow in the fading glory. False Christianity, Hora Babylon, Seven Mountain Christianity, which is false Christianity, is fathering the temporal fading glory. And there is a glory to Moses, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a fading glory of the heart, a fading glory of human blood. Human blood is fading glory. God's blood is ever increasing glory. We need to get out of our bloodline into his bloodline, which is the river of life. And it's drunk. You drink judgments. How many of y'all know drinking the cup? of the new covenant is a cup of total judgment. You're drunk on judgment because you're constantly judging the temporal part of you as unrighteous and unclean. Good. Thank you for agreeing with God and you are judging the new creature recreated by the spirit as good, righteous, clean, upright in heart. This thing bears the image of God. It looks crazy. It's got hooves, it's got a lion's mane, it's got four different faces, it's a living creature. So we get a little disturbed when we see the new creature ain't human at all. Zero percent human, not one percent human, zero. So there has to be a separation of soul from spirit to see the part of you that's zero percent human. <laughs> Christianity is zero percent human. And real Christian teaching is zero percent human. It's for the divine. It's for the living creature. Put it in your ox hooves, because you got them. Put them in your four faces, because you got them. If Jesus is a wonderful four-faced man in Ezekiel, guess what? Your new creature has four faces. Lion, eagle, ox. Man, those are the four rivers of the divine nature. So we wrap our heads around female. We wrap our heads around Gentile, greasy grace. We wrap our heads around all kinds of stupid temporal crap. And God wants to destroy it all. Those are the seven nations of Canaan. Those are the seven nations of Jeremiah 46 preaching total annihilation. Totally annihilating the temporal shell for the new creature to come out. I tell you the truth. You're ready to come out of those shells. You're ready to come out of those caves. Your brain might be afraid, but your brain is wrong. 
Your brain just turns white, a white stone with a new name on it that just yields. Which means you'll still have a temple. But the temple will be the casing of the eternal, and the temple, the outer court, your flesh, your brain, your blood, your heart, will look inwardly into the eternal, and the eternal will conquer the temporal. That's when the Bible says that the natural and the temporal will put on the eternal and the immortal. The mortal will put on immortality. What's immortality? Conquering mortality. When you yield your vessels to the divine part of you by eating severity. Not just gentleness, like we're in nursery. Not kindness only. The Bible says not only kindness, you must embrace severity. If you don't embrace severity, the Adamic part of you that is damned with the devil will actually kill the new creature. The new creature will die inside this body and fly away. The reason why this thing does not conquer this thing is because of a lack of embracing severity and judgment, not understanding that the immortal will put on immortality, which means the spirit will conquer the flesh. The Bible prescribes it. Part of your spiritual growth is the eternal conquering the temporal. And then you can laugh at yourself because that's not you anymore. You have a totally different divine perspective. It's getting set free from that body you're in. You gotta divide that body from your spirit. You are not that body. The revelation of the gospel is you are not that flesh. You are a spirit being that lives in a changing jar of clay. Wisdom separates the flesh, the clay, from God, the divine part of you, the spirit. So the teaching and the preaching of the word of God is the building up of the spirit to have God's perspective over the clay. And when your vision changes and your true spiritual vision is separated from your temporal, carnal, false, lying, deceiving vision, then you can have God's perspective and everything. And from that perspective, you can tell the truth by the Spirit, for the Spirit, and begin to be faithful in the house of spirits. Zion, the house of all holy angels, which are spirits, ministering spirits. But only in a spiritual perspective can you even begin to serve in that house of Holy Spirits. Many Holy Spirits and your spirit is holy, which means it's set apart from the world and the earth and man. Holiness is being set apart from woman and man. They said no one is numbered amongst the 144,000 who has defiled themselves with women which means has a natural existence. Obviously it's fornication, immorality, and all of that lust getting judged out. And then it's a separated as a species you're separated to be numbered with the angels as a spirit being. And that's what the Bible teaches. The ones that are separated entirely from humanity become the overcomers of the end times is what scripture says which means there's a further holiness beyond just realizing the glory the first step 
of being separated from soul is discovering Christ in your spirit. Keep going every day until your entire new creature is separated from the human nature. And you'll do that while in the body. You're not going to do it with just trancing out. You'll do it consciously awake through hearing and revelating in the preaching of the gospel that separates soul, temporal, from spirit, eternal. And your spirit gets stronger. The more severe teaching and judgments you can eat into your spirit, like Rick Joyner says in the final quest, the more and the faster you embrace the judgment seat is the fastest way to grow as a spirit being. It's uncomfortable to the soul at first. Later on, the soul starts to get drunk with spiritual breakthrough. That's how you transfigure your soul. Your soul gets to go with, but it's a totally different expression. It's no longer an expression of the world or the brain. It's the expression of the eternal spirit. And the soul gets transformed, which the Bible says requires an inheritance of the righteousness of Christ in this earth. Inheritance is for those transformed of soul who have fallen in love with severity in spirit. Sword of the spirit, flashing sword of the Garden of Eden. So it's bringing the soul into the judgments of Eden where spirit only can go and letting the sword thrash, thrash the heart. Oh, it's irritating for decades. But that's, it intoxicates afterwards. That which at first irritates later intoxicates. The irritations necessary, the prophetic John the Baptist putting his camel hairs inside out for the flesh to be irritated by the natural realm, which means no complacency, zero lukewarmness, zero settling for just being a son of a great priest at the temple. Like I'm born into this thing through blood right and through bloodlines. No, 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 no. John was in the river. You don't even hear him once talking about his parents as priests in the temple doing everything right. He discovered a righteousness by faith in following the river of life and preaching repentance in the waters of life. He was the epitome of preparing the way of the Lord. The greatest prophet in the Bible, Jesus Christ said, which was getting people out of religion into the river. That this thing is not just for the children of Abraham, for out of these rocks I could raise new children for Abraham, which means zero soul. This is all based on faith and obedience to a living, moving substance of a river. And that's what the river symbolizes. That this is not something you get by any kind of belief system here. By getting out of your comfort zones and letting the river change you from the inside. (laughs) Baptized in the Holy Spirit is a progressive yieldedness to the Spirit of God out of your humanity. It's a down payment of God's divinity conquering your humanity. It doesn't mean you go all the way. Most don't. Most don't. Most forsake the spirit and settle for the human nature. I've been in the Pentecostal church for 23 years. Very few in the Pentecostal church forsake their humanity. They add the gifts of Pentecost under their humanity and blaspheme Christ and die prematurely. And you have just the same problems in Pentecostal churches as you do in the world, if not more. If not more. But if you sacrifice the soulish with the Pentecostal, 
with the spiritual. Oh, it becomes a river party on the inside. But you come out of religion. You come out of tradition. You come out of religion. You come out of ritual. You, be, you come out of Sunday morning. You come out of all the natural dimension of human and you begin to become a disciple of the constant manifestations of the bright morning star on the inside. And it becomes a constant church of the firstborn in heaven. A complete and total 24-7 celebration. And that's knowing him in spirit. You cannot be my disciple unless you're knowing him in spirit. Unless there's the celebration of the permanent indwelling of the kingdom in spirit. And the mind awakens. This is how the mind awakens. By believing this message is inside your spirit already. Preaching of the word just activates what you already got. The prophetic is the confirmation to the experience of being born again. It's not an additional thing. It's the confirming thing of the works of the Holy Spirit that have already taken place in you and the brain just realizes what God has done. It just affirms the works of God. Amen? The Holy Spirit does all the works. The prophetic helps the soul yield to the works of God. Amen? And the works of God are working in you. And the prophetic is confirming it to your minds. Because the mind has to agree with the works deep within you. If you don't get the mind involved and the mind is separated from the spirit, that person goes mentally ill. The mind must be saved into the spirit. Put the mind into the spirit through the heart, the sword of the spirit. Bind your brains to a spirit of a sound mind and bring your brains out of Babylon, out of worldliness, out of Satan, into Christ in your spirit and be covered in fresh glory. There is a waterfall for your mind to live in the peace of God every day. Romans 8 is all about saving your brains. That's what the Bible says. That those whose brains are not washed in the Spirit are just with the enemy, against the Spirit. But those whose brains are washed and controlled by the river of the Holy Spirit are in constant peace. You know how you get peace? Yielding your mind to the Holy Spirit within you. A deeper, more washing relationship with the water of the Word of God. And your mind stays washed in God's glory. Which means you'll stay on track. You can get consistent. You can get loyal to the river. Brainwashing is the real deal. We get brainwashed in Babylon, and then we're just against getting brainwashed in Zion. There's two rivers in the garden, what Revelation says. Your brain probably just brainwashed in the wrong river of human blood, which is the doubt and unbelief of all the fallen angels. You gotta get brainwashed in divine blood, which is all the faith of Jesus Christ washing over your mind. Living in the all things are possible for those who believe. Faith is putting your brain into the spirit of Jesus in your hearts. You got Jesus in you. Now wash your brain and tell your brain about it. Amen. Get your brain washed 
with the river of life. It gets easier and easier the more your brain comes into agreement. This thing's a stubborn warlock. It is. This thing will lead you the wide path of destruction. This thing don't come easy. Satan's defeated at the place of the skull, which means your skull is where you deal with the devil, your devils, that will constantly make you want to judge others. Because that's what Satan is, a hypocrite. He'll have you in the planks and specks looking at others, judging all this stuff. You need to bring the, the brain, the skull, the place of the skull, Golgotha, your personal cross, and getting crucified here is required. You bring your brain under living water. Otherwise, you'll just hear and follow the devil every day after you're born again. Unbelievers in brain, but believers in heart. That's how people live, with a split personality. I got a heart nature and a soul nature. And we're here to destroy the soul nature, which is the wilderness of the Christian, our infancy in Christ. It has to be brought down. We have to tie millstones around it. Bible says a time of maturity will come with 500 pound millstones falling from the sky. That's the teachings of the sons of God, people. And they'll be tied around believers' necks. So you can bring neck as the place of pride and haughtiness. Or grace if you're brought down under living water. So outstretched neck, scripture talks about when the neck is not submitting the brain into the spirit. That's why he ties millstones around the necks, because Jesus knows how to deal with man's pride. He destroys pride. Pride is your arch nemesis. Jezebel's main manifestation is in the soulishness of pride, of knowledge about God. This is the antichrist that we wrestle amongst Christians every day. It's the pride of knowledge in the soul that doesn't even have the river. There's no river there. God's not even there. It's just knowledge about God. It's the wrong tree in the garden. You're talking and necromancing with devils. Come out of the devil into the living waters and the voice of many waters and he will speak to you. He will speak through you. He will tell you things yet to come. The spirit of truth loves you. You understand when, when someone loves you, they'll tell you the truth even if it's painful. The gospel is painful to the soul that doesn't understand. Misunderstanding, it's painful to hear truth. You'll hear the truth and you'll be set free from Satan. As Satan leaves these people, it's, it's an astonishment of the deception. The Bible says you can only sin when you're deceived. So the fallen angel's job is to deceive you. And when you're deceived, by default, a soul full of deception practices sin, which is practices the realm of the natural. When you've been listening to a sinful, false gospel, it'll keep you locked in the realm of the natural, judging on works of the flesh, of the head and the, and the hand. Judging with eyes instead of spirit, because the spirit's dormant in there, because you're listening and following the devils that fell from heaven. When you come into the spirit, it's a totally different world. Now it's based on intimacy and birthing rivers, and the rivers carry the works of God through the rest of you. That's why there's a sanctification 14 plus three years in Arabia to get all the religion of the head buried into the relationship of the heart for the river to be the worker. 
and Paul did more as an apostle than he did as a Pharisee. Much more. The Pharisee did tons of stuff. You look at the zeal and the works of the Pharisee, you're doing a lot of works. The religious spirit has a zeal, but not for God. The religious spirit has a work mentality, but not for Jesus Christ. It, it is for self-righteousness and the throne of Satan that the religious spirit works, and it must be brought down in all our souls. It's not them, it's us. We bring the religious spirit down in us, in our souls, crucified with Christ in our souls to bring it down. Then comes the outpouring of the spirit of prophecy. Then comes the outpouring of the spirit of grace without mixture, without the soul's emotion. But you know what prophecy is? The spirit of God told me today, prophecy is revelation plus emotion emotion the Holy Ghost is the most emotional person in the Bible revelation without emotion is not prophecy because you don't get the impartation of the feelings emotions and passions of Jesus Jesus is the most emotional person in the Bible it's true prophecy has to be with all of the emotion of the living God living is emotional but it's not an emotion of a dying, screaming, whining animal. It's not the emotion of a baby having a temper tantrum. It's the emotion of the jealousy for God to consume his people. Our God is an all-consuming, jealous, emotional fire. That's what prophecy is. Emotional fire and a zeal to consume the dead part of you and the damned part of you, that soulish, worldly part of you, out of Satan into Zion. Oh, he's zealous for you to get you into Zion. He is running after you, and it's life and death every day in this world. He is coming after you knowing the consequences of wandering away from the river, wandering away from the waterworks of the temple and carrying the mind out here and just getting distracted, just getting busy to God. It's an emotional thing of you are dying. You are dying and losing and being distracted. That Laodicean spirit is a losing of a precious son and daughter of God to the devil. Lukewarmness is you, God has lost his child to Satan. And he's so serious about it. That's why he's so passionate. And so we need that passionate understanding to bring our whole mind into Christ and fellowship in there in the secret place of the heart and the secret stairway of the heart, ascending and descending in the Word of God, ascending and descending in the Spirit of God, encountering God in deeper, richer, more meaningful ways than ever before. Letting him brood over the places of hardness. Letting him brood over the wounds in our memories. Let him change our minds, heal and renew our minds. The leaves of this tree of the covering of the Holy Spirit tree are the healing of nations. Nations means DNA, which is souls. It's how your soul gets healed. The tree of life is to bring the soul under the leaves, the covering of the Holy Spirit. He wants this whole soul covered and controlled with different leaves, different clothing, the clothing of the Spirit of God. 
and your brain and your senses, not infatuated with religion, not even infatuated with teaching, infatuated with the Spirit of God inside the Word of God. The Word is the container of knowing God on earth as the Holy Spirit in a deeper, richer, more intimate way than ever before. The excitement for the day is to know God in a greater way. And you can only know God within His Word. So it comes in and the mind distracted. I'm not, I don't want to know God more today. It's the religious spirit. The religious spirit keeps the Word a dead letter and not knowing the contents of the spirit of inspiration, which is the prophetic spirit, that it, that it makes the Word come alive. A dead letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Meaning the spirit is inside the shell of the word. People come in ever hearing, never understanding because they only hear the outside of the word because their hearts are evil. Because their hearts have not learned to go in, through the depth of the word into the creamy center of the spirit of the word. True discernment is discerning of spirits, which is the content of words. Which means you can't even tell what's inside a person unless you can go inside their words and drink and discern their spirits. And the spirits are angels, it is written. And two-thirds are good. Only one-third are bad. We need to discern angels. The apostle discerned angels of light, and then they were encountering Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael all the time because they were the head of the church. So they're around the throne of the God, of God the Father in the Spirit. They're around the archangels all the time. And they were discerning those spirits, those archangels, every day. Because you're born again in heaven. And in heaven, seated in heavenly places with all of the angels of the kingdom of heaven. And it becomes a normal internal lifestyle of being in heaven supernaturally by birthright, not by effort. Deception is effort that I get into heaven through just mental ascension. That's the foolishness of our youth that needs forgiveness. You don't get into heaven through mental ascension. You get into heaven because you're born there by God. You're born there by God. It's an awakening to where you're born, which is an awakening to heaven. Not a self-effort working your way into heaven. You never get in. You get into hell doing that. You get more and more demon-possessed doing that because you're practicing sorcery. That's what sorcery is, is working your way into heaven. We practice the grace of the Lord Jesus who did all of our works and got us into heaven by birthright. It's your birthright to live in heaven. Amen. We are seated in heaven, born in heaven, and raised in heaven. You're not raised in hell. You're not raised in the world. You're raised in Zion. Of these ones, they were born in Zion. And your spirit grows up in Zion. And your brain begins to realize my spirit is more real than the natural man down here on earth. Which becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit progressively. Amen. So when the spirit part of you gets more real to your brain than the natural part of you, you have overcome the evil one by awakening to the dimension that Jesus Christ has recreated you into.
And you're just resting there. That's what rest is. Now you begin to reign. You know, the works of Christ is the reigning of Christ. Being from above. Jesus did all of his works from above. Not trying to build up a kingdom from below. He was from above the whole time. He was reigning. It's a place of victory by simply knowing the Father. If that's not the perspective, we're upside down and backwards and not yet baptized nor circumcised of heart. We need to be awakened in our spirit. And for a while, you just eat in there until this thing dissolves. You know, sitting under fiery apostolic and prophetic preaching and teaching. God had me do that eight hours a day for 15 years. For 15 years! He'd have people come up to me, hand me DVDs of four gigabytes, and for a year, sit under the apostles and just eat prophetic wisdom, apostolic grace, apostolic grace, apostolic words, apostolic revelation. Eating, eating, bringing yourself into the Father's house like the prodigals and feasting in the kingdom of His glory and power. Otherwise, the inner man doesn't even know what's available. We're just out here with our own opinions and ideas about God, which is we're in the wrong tree in the garden. The inner man has to conquer the outer man by feasting. That's the prescription, Luke 15. Come into the Father's house by killing the goat, which is the pride of the stubborn heart, the pride of the stubborn brain. It's got to die for you to begin to be eating in the Father's house, which is emotional revelations. The spirit of prophecy is the food of the inner child. We don't want it to always be an inner child and to be an, an outer older man. An outer older middle-aged woman. That ain't Christianity. That's dying. You're not here to die. You're here to fly. You're here to build up your spirit stronger than your soul. And Jesus has prepared a feast for you. A feast to get your spirit strong. Amen. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning and against all Gentile nations. Look at it in the New Covenant perspective now. Old Testament is great wisdom. The Old Testament is the key. Brian Simmons said, the Old Testament is the key to constant revelation. Constant revelation. Concerning and against Egypt, against the army of Pharaoh, Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates at Charchemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, smote and defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Put in order the buckler and shield and advance for battle. Harness the horses. Mount, you horsemen. Stand forth with your helmets. Polish your spears. Put on the coats of mail. Why have I seen it? They are dismayed and have turned backward, and their mighty warriors are beaten down. They flee in haste and look not back. Terror is on every side, says the Lord. 
Let not the swift flee, nor the mighty man escape. In the north, by the river Euphrates, they stumble and they fall. Who is this that rises up like the Nile River, like the branches of the Nile in the delta of Egypt, and whose waters surge and toss? Egypt rises like the Nile, like the rivers whose waters surge and toss. She says, I will rise, I will cover the earth. I will destroy cities and their inhabitants. Go up, you horses, and drive furiously, you chariots. Let the warriors go forth, men of Ethiopia, and put who handle the shield, men of Lud, who are skilled in handling and stringing the bow. But that day is a day of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge himself on his adversaries and the sword shall devour and it shall be satiated and shall drink its fill of their blood for the lord the lord of hosts has a sacrifice like that of a great sin offering in the north country by the river euphrates go up into gilead and take healing balm O virgin daughter of Egypt, in vain do you use many medicines, for there is no healing or remedy. The nations have heard of your disgrace and shame, and your cry has filled the earth. For warrior has stumbled against and thrown down warrior, and they have fallen both of them together. The word that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, the prophet concerning the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and his smiting of the land of Egypt. Declare in Egypt and proclaim in Migdal and publish in Memphis and in Talhafasas. Say, stand forth and get yourself ready for the sword devours round about you. Why is your strong one, the sacred bull god Apis, swept and dragged away? He stood not because the Lord drove him and thrust him down. The Lord made many to stumble and fall, yes. They fell one upon another, and they said, Arise, and let us go back to our own people, to the land of our birth, away from the sword of the oppressor. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is distressed, and is only a noise. He has let the appointed time in which God had him on probation pass by. As I live, says the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts, Surely, like Tabor among the mountains and like Carmel by the sea, so shall he, the king of Babylon, standing out above other rulers, come. O you daughter who dwells in Egypt, and you who dwell with her, furnish yourselves with all you will need to go into exile, for Memphis will be waste, desolate, and burned up without inhabitant. Egypt is a very fair heifer like Apis, the bull god, to which the country is, so to speak, espoused. But destruction, a gadfly, is coming out of the north. It is coming against her. Also, her hired troops in the midst of her are like fatted calves in the stall. For they are also turned back and are fleeing together. They do not stand because the day of their calamity is coming upon them. The time of their visitation, their inspection and punishment. The sound of Egypt fleeing from the enemy is like the rustling of an escaping serpent. 
for her foes advance with a mighty army and come against her with axes like those who fell trees and cut wood. They shall cut down her forest, says the Lord, though it is impenetrable, because they, the invading army, are more numerous than locusts and cannot be counted. The daughter of Egypt shall be disgraced. She shall be delivered into the hands of the people of the north, the Chaldeans. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says, Behold, I will visit and punish and with punishment upon Ammon, the chief god of the sacred city, the capital of Upper Egypt, of No, of Thebes, and of Upper Pharaoh, and upon Pharaoh in Egypt, with her gods and with her kings, even Pharaoh and all those Jews and others who put their trust in Pharaoh, as a support against Babylon. And I will deliver them into the hands of those who seek their lives, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hands of his servants. Afterward, Egypt will be inhabited as in the days of old, says the Lord. But fear not, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of their exile. And Jacob will return and be quiet and at ease, and none will make him afraid. Fear not, O Jacob my servant, says the Lord, for I am with you, for I will make a full and complete end of all the nations to which I have driven you, which is all the places your minds have wandered, as believers in Jesus Christ, I will make an end of those imprisonments of the mind. That's the world systems of the kingdoms of this world that are crumbling down. Notice that the exile that we went through, mainly because of our own rebellion, was so that the Lord could bring judgment upon those mindsets, which are spiritual kingdoms that come crashing down as he brings you out of those world systems out of those strongholds, out of those mindsets, and your minds as Jacob will return to Jerusalem and you will be in the spirit as a nation. For I am with you. I will make a full and complete end of all the nations to which I have driven you. Yet I will not make a full end of you, but I will chasten and correct you in just measure so that you don't go back again. And I will not hold you guiltless by any means or leave you unpunished. There's a punishment towards sin, a refinement towards sin in our lives. <laughs> a lot of times when we wander, it's to avoid this punishment towards the things we can't see in our own heart. This is why we go in exile in mindsets. <laughs> in Laodicean lukewarmness, but God is going to bring us back. We're going to embrace the discipleship of the kingdom, not just a mentorship. I hate that crap. A discipleship. The Father disciplines those He loves, which means the Father only receives disciples as sons and daughters. You cannot be a son and daughter without being a disciplined one of the Father. Do not scorn the discipline of the Father bringing you closer to Him on the inside. He is only dealing with your stubbornness, with your sins. It's an act of love to punish sin. 
We have seen sin and punishment of sin as an act of wrath. The Bible teaches it's an act of love and endearment. God loves those he dis disciplines. And if they are not disciplined, that person has rejected divine love. So why do we go away from God? It, we reject God's discipline. Amen. It's not just a, a discipline of do's and don'ts in the head. It's a spiritual discipline of a river keeping us in the glory. It's a discipline of practicing the river of life. The punishment to sin is only so that we're always steered by the water courses of the rivers of life. <laughs> so that we're always in the flow, always protected, always safe. He's jealous for our safety. When we're in sin, we're not safe. It's true. That's why accidents happen to Christians every day. It's almost like it's more dangerous to believe than not believe. Because now there's a target on us from the fallen angels to attack these believers lest they get mature in Christ. That's why we need mature leadership to protect the young ones and disciple them into the Spirit's control. The Holy Spirit will control you and you'll be a volunteer to His power, it is written. So we just, as an act of faith, we volunteer and give up our bodies, the rights of our souls, the rights of our feelings, emotions, and we volunteer these temples for the use of the Spirit of Jesus, for the kingdom of Jesus, and everything else of selfishness, of stubbornness, of the false pleasure and the false comforts of the soul. We ask for discipline, even a punishment and a scourging for sin, that we may fall in love with the severity of God towards the things that separate man from God, which is holiness. A zeal for holiness against the things that separate man's mind from God's Spirit that we may flow deeper in the river, flow deeper in the judgments of the glory, in a mightier release of judgment, with a greater agreement with His judgment and severity than ever before. You know what maturity is? A greater agreement with a greater severity in yourself. And then obviously the overflow towards others, which is the standard you hold to yourself in your own souls, which needs to be the same standard of the cross called annihilation, total decimation for the indwelling of the Spirit of God in the soul. Because when the Spirit of God possesses the soul, you are in heaven. That's what heaven is. On earth as it is in heaven is the whole soul completely filled and flooded with the spirit of glory. It wouldn't even be a different atmosphere if you died at this level of discipleship because you've already died with him. Amen. So your soul is filled and flooded with heaven's light. 
And this is the eyewitness of the resurrection, the soul filled and flooded with the glory light of the throne of God and the Lamb, bringing forth a new light into the world and blinding these wandering stars and false lights of self-righteousness and pride and worldliness, just blotting out the noonday sun. When Jesus shows up, he blots out the false light and exposes the darkness and imparts true light into you through revelation, through the sword of the Spirit, through the wisdom of the ages, and empowers your spirit to shine brighter and renews your mind for the path of righteousness to shine ever brighter until the full dawn of day, which is the total transformation of your brain to the understanding of the knowledge of the glory and the rulership of the glory as water covers the sea by your, your divine ability. Not Jesus, you. Your spirit is becoming exactly a brother and sister of Jesus in all his kingly ability to rule by the gift of the glory in the inner man. But the sanctification to get there, you know, it's it's severe. The Bible does call it severe. There is severe punishment towards unbelievers, it is written. I'm not putting it out there towards Babylonians. I want it right here. Judgment begins in the house of God, which is in our own souls, in our own hearts. I want my faith perfected. That's the promised land, perfected faith, which means the Spirit overflowing through me like a cup that runneth over. And your cup was supremely intoxicating because it's a cup that's drunk on the Word of God. It's a cup that has drank the Word of God and is drunk and intoxicated on the manifestations of the power and energy of the Word of God, enforcing the laws from Zion, standing with Jesus and Moses on Mount Zion, manifesting the Word of God through these bodies which is the rivers of the government of God that enforce the new covenant as a legal system of love. Love your neighbor as yourself will be enforced as a national government and with angels upon all flesh in the coming days. It won't be easier. It'll be more strict and severe. And love is the freedom of the soul. And every soul be set free by love that remains in these days. Love is the answer for everything. But love is a river. And love is a fire that burns up all the counterfeits of the animal, which is devouring our fallenness devouring our humanity. We cannot express divine love until human ability is dissolved in our hearts and minds, which is revelations of divine love, the revealing of Jesus Christ as love, God is love, through the soul melting in the fire of love. And only in the eighth chapter of Song of Solomon do we come to a place of revelation through experience and passion in the emotion of Jesus, our bridegroom king, of a love that's stronger than the death we've been overcoming in ourselves. So all these things you must, must suffer to inherit the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. 
You'll have to suffer through the soul because the soul is totally clueless and actually is so stubborn it has opinions towards all these processes. It has, it thinks it knows when it's thinking it's disobeying the spirit. This thing needs to be crucified. The Bible says, take no thought and cast your cares for I care for you. Which means there's not even an experience of the compassion of God until you've given up your compassion. Your ability to be compassionate is an abomination. It's humanism. It's antichrist. You gotta give up your compassion and... Hallelujah. I was gonna say a couple other things, but we just... Self-control. You know, that might be easier for this group. That's what I was going to say. Because we weren't compassionate to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> compassion is a supernatural thing for us. Because we didn't, I didn't grow up with compassion. I grew up with murder, death, hatred, and the intensity of Vietnam and killing everybody. Compassion is a supernatural miracle in my soul. And a lot of people around us, it's like we've never known love. So the only love we've ever seen is the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and it's the best thing down here. It's our drugs. Be drunk with love. This kind of love is drunk and manifesting. And in this love, yeah, it's the kingdom. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the new creature reality. It's the tearing down of all the other junk that is a pretender and a counterfeit. Amen. And you grow in love, which is really growing in wrath towards the animal. Yes. <laughs> love is the mixed wine that has killed beasts. In Revel uh, Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom kills beasts, mixed wine. God told me a long time ago, wisdom is divine love. It is. Wisdom's the action of God, to, to do of God. The verb of God, the works of God are all wisdom, which is divine love. And the wisdom's doing some crazy stuff in the Bible. Wisdom's killing stuff in the Bible. Wisdom's tearing down, condemning and speaking from the high place against every little wrong thing in the soul. It's mocking the works of fools in Proverbs. It's attacking them with words from a higher dimension of the spirit. That's what love is actually like. And then it's attacking mindsets. It's attacking the soul. It's killing the mark of the beast. It's killing beasts. And then it's mixing wine, getting the spirit stronger. The expression of divine love can only come out of a believer's spirit. And you progressively awaken to that dimension. That's the house of wine. Revelation is a suddenly of transporting consciousness into a dimension of wine. A glory dimension. And there are many glory dimensions. This is the house of wine. It's the whole kingdom of heaven. It's every place perfected by Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. A revelation is a sudden transportation of the mind into glory realms. And then you go realm to realm. When you have tremendous revelation, you live in the treasure house of God in the innermost being. And you just constantly flood your personality more and more and more every day. 
and that'll be the overflow of all your new wine ministry. Out of your belly flows rivers of wine, which is all the realms that you're speaking from that you've been transported to when you've heard and experienced the word of God. Song of Solomon 2.4. Suddenly. What's a suddenly? A revelation. An epiphany. Suddenly, an epiphany. A light bulb goes off in the mind, and I'm transported out of me into he. So I can really see. In the glory. And it won't be a fading glory if I stay transported by that revelation and begin to treasure these revelations that keep me in the intoxications, which is the passionate part of prophecy. So if you don't say transported, you still have the revelation. You can still teach it because you have knowledge now from God. But without the passion, your mind ain't connected to that realm. You're not there. That's all. Now you become a teacher of revelation, but you're out of the river. Staying in the river is just staying in the emotion of God. You got to stay in that emotion. That's what makes it thrilling. That's what the drunkenness is. The drunken anointing is I'm in the passion of his emotion. I'm in his revelation, but I'm in his emotion, and I want it more and more, and it just burns up my feelings. So I don't even feel anything except what he's feeling, and, it, and it's intense. It was intense today. I mean, I... It was so intense. The first hour is just like ooh, raging intensity. Like, man, I was like, I grab my wine glass for this. Is it okay if I drink when I under the discipleship of severity, Holy Ghost? He has no problem with it. You can drink. Bring your drinking cup with you, as you're discipled in the severe things, the mature things of God. You need to stay drinking because your joy will intensify, but it's the joy of a roaring lion. A lion of the tribe of Judah, my righteous one, is as bold as a lion. Those who practice faith in their spirit love the severity, but the severity is the intensity of the love and the peace and the joy and the passion and the fervency of the Father to grip the soul through its feelings and emotions, through its senses, and bring it into the fire and just burn up the rebellion. Refine that soul in fire seven times into pure gold, which is into pure God. Into pure Father God possession. So that they don't go astray when they're purified all the way. You go astray in any area, you're not purified. Any place that you're not purified seven times is a place you're vulnerable and weak. Well, there's not armor through purification that you're not welded rock solid in the kingdom. It's a places where you're tempted by demon spirits because of your own sin all the time. And it's usually lust. And it's usually pride. And religion and self-righteousness and distractions and lukewarmness. But you can become disciples of the fire of God in this generation. And the Lord said to me inaudibly today, it's only for the remnant. It's only for the remnant. You have that perfect standard of the same first century apostles with you today. And there's a remnant on this planet that has that standard applied to their souls. And they're the overcomers and they're the 144,000. And they become the manifesting sons of God. And they will bring the kingdom. And they will bring the tabernacle of David. And they will cover the nations with the tree of their spirit life. Amen.
and they will dissolve all the fallen angel rulership over the nations through their actual maturity in holiness in Jesus name and we just thank you father for being numbered with that company and for training us to be with that company and all the people at the sound of my voice watching this that are saying yes I will be numbered with those holy ones who become the Israel of the book of Revelation. You are being matured by the discipleship of God and his angels to become the eternal Israel of God. The tree of life, the olive tree of unlimited anointing oil of the Messiah and the seven spirits of God. And God is for you in producing this maturity. You are simply volunteers and you bring your souls and volunteer your souls to the seven spirits of God working out Jesus's will in the earth today and he will work through you and me in every way today and forevermore and then these ones the Bible says who go all the way in this level of discipleship they shall walk with me in white and they shall rule with me over the earth for 1,000 years. It's this standard of perfect holiness and the development of the inner man and all the severities of God that makes us the angel-like children of the resurrection, the manifest sons of God. Earth and heaven and all creation long for the revealing of this level of maturity to be liberated from the condemnation of the devils into the lake of fire that we bring by our holiness and set apartness from the world. In Jesus' name, I bless your angels, the angels of the seven churches. Be blessed by this word to upgrade your souls constantly in a greater spirituality of Jesus Christ imparted into you. And we thank you, Father, for following through, authoring, and finishing this work in everyone at the sound of my voice. And you are working in this person's life. And you are working all things for good because we love you and we're called according to your purposes, Jesus Christ. We give up our purposes for your purposes to have a purpose-filled life of the kingdom of heaven, a zeal for the Father's pleasure, consume your whole mindset to live and build and move and have your being in the kingdom of Zion. Let this mountain of kingdom company rise as chief of all the other seven mountains in this day by a people walking in perfect holiness. In Jesus' name, we decree. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you guys. If the Spirit of God is training you in this ministry, ask Him, is it okay if I begin tithing into Red Letter Ministries? I want to support the Kingdom of Heaven. How can I financially fuel the works of the sons of God? How can I participate in a greater way? And just ask the Lord to use you to financially fuel Red Letter Ministries. It's important to Him. This is the area of greatest warfare, the realm of finances. It is. It's, I've been doing this thing 18 years. This is where all the de demonic activity is in refraining the finances towards the sons of God because that's what takes over the natural realm. The golden rule. Whoever has the gold rules. 
sanctified the gold and the silver for the house of God, that the house of God be filled and flooded with finances from God's people working for the kingdom and not for their own house, but for the house of God. So your houses be in the house of God, that your houses be blessed in the kingdom of God, that your houses may overflow by the storehouses of the heavens, the windows of the heavens, and the blessing of the heavens, and the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you upon the mountaintops as you fuel the kingdom of heaven financially. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for dreams, visions, revelations, angels kicking devils off of people's heads. Just some of the angels just need to kick you in the head. Just kick him in the head, wake him up, and give him a vision. An angel kick you in the head, you get a vision. You get an impartation, an awakening in the soul, in the mind. And there'll be an understanding and a revelation of what you are meant to walk out to advance the kingdom. The disciples were discipled by Jesus and given stewardship over the earth to work in the earth, labor in the earth, to advance the kingdom in the earth. This same training is going on today in all the earth. We need to be awakened and how to fuel in every way the advancing of the kingdom. Not the advancing of church and Sunday morning, but a realm of glory out of the inner man conquering society outside the four walls of the church. Conquering cities, discipling cities, discipling skylines, a practical practicing of righteousness that is over the earth. Let Adam walked in dominion over the flesh, dominion over the animals. We need this understanding restored of kingdom dominion. Kingdom means dominion of the glory. Yours is the kingdom, the dominion over cities with the glory. That is where we support. That is what we finance. That is what we live for. That is the purpose of our faith on this earth, to bring total dominion over all the earth with the glory of God. Amen. Thank you for a people fueling it financially. In Jesus' name, speak to their hearts, speak to their minds, bypass all the unbelief and bring clarity into the souls how to finance the works at Red Letter Ministries. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Amen! <laughs> Glory. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Glory.
limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm no limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm In the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm No limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm No limitations in the spirit there are no limitations in the glory realm
Don't listen to the glory.